Welcome to Plato's Cave. I'm Jordan Myers, and I'll be a master's student in philosophy at the University of Houston in just a few months. You're listening to the very first reading group episode of the show. So in this episode, we begin a series about free will and moral responsibility. Uh, I discuss the book Free Will by Sam Harris with two friends, Adam and Giffen, because philosophy shouldn't just be for philosophers. And so in the intro to this episode, uh, we use Sam Harris's book because it's a good introduction to free will, moral responsibility, uh, determinism. It's not too detailed uh, to the point where you can't understand what's going on, but obviously we get deeper as the series goes on. Now, the interesting thing is that I begin as a more of a hard determinist, and you'll understand what that means in a minute. Um, but I move throughout the series to become more of a certain type of compatibilist. Uh, Adam and I converge in that direction, while Giffen remains very uh, reductionistic and skeptical of responsibility generally. So you'll see over the course of the series how our positions change and or move. And so this is the first of uh, a multi-part series on free will and moral responsibility, which is one of my um, biggest interests and something that I hope to study a lot more of at the University of Houston. If you're familiar with Plato's Cave generally, you'll know that I've also been speaking to many professors uh, and philosophers who have written um, recently or in the past about free will, moral responsibility, the reactive attitudes, determinism, etc. So this is a long-standing interest of mine. And this episode was actually recorded over a year ago. Uh, so it is a, an old conversation and one that I have moved from. Um, I've changed my position from the one I espouse in this episode. But with that introduction in mind, I hope that you enjoy this upcoming series. I know that this was uh, something that I really enjoyed recording uh, with some very old and very good friends of mine. So with that introduction, let's get into the series quick note the first three episodes of this series are audio only uh, that will change as the series goes on so if you're watching this on youtube uh, video will begin after the third episode if you're listening on an rss feed well this doesn't matter okay so we're going to uh so we're going to open up the free will series by doing i guess a partial book review of uh of sam harris's free will it's a really short book it's uh, less than 100 pages. Yeah, it's about 75 pages published in, I think, 2014. So one of his later, pub 2012, one of his later publications. I don't know. I remember I came across this book. I think I read it for the first time my sophomore year of high school. Or uh, I'm sorry, of uh, college. So it would have been right around um, four years ago. And I remember this was kind of one of my first introductions into the area of free will. And I found it very interesting, very persuasive. And I thought it was a good book. I thought it was a great book at the time. I still think it's a good book now. But it, it definitely kicked off kind of my interest in this area. And neither of you guys had read any of this before now, right? Correct. Okay. I think I heard like a um, clip of, you know, Sam Harris talking before on the subject of free will. But it was like a vague memory. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so I chose this cause we're going to do a series on, on this topic and it's going to obviously kind of grow and, and wind as it does. But I thought this was a good introduction because he, 
lays out you know a lot of the ideas that we're going to go over in non-philosophical jargonish way he he really keeps the uh he really keeps the language very accessible and uh and so i think it's a good way to start off uh the topic so well i guess first of all what do you guys just think of the the book itself flat out i know we didn't read the whole thing we read the first what 47 pages of a 75 page book do you guys like it hate it loved it it was easy reading and you know he's a great writer um i honestly openly laughed at points because there were some funny ones yeah yeah, he's he's a funny guy and he's very clear um just a good writer it was completely readable to someone who with like no experience exploring free will um Mm -hmm. and you know his points were made he would you know kind of open like he would propose kind of like statements and then natural questions that would arise. He would tackle immediately. Mm. Um, and with, with like, you know, humor that like contributed and didn't detract. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a rare skill to, to not kind of dodge with humor. It's, it's often a, it's often a, uh, it's really a dodgy tactic by a lot of people I've noticed, but all right. So we're going to move through the first, uh, for the first, you know, 47 pages or so, more or less systematically. Obviously, if I skip over anything that you guys think was interesting, stop me. Um, but he he opens up the book in a very provocative way, as Harris's want to do. So he tells the story of you know uh, these two these two uh, criminals, Stephen Haynes and Joshua Komisarjevsky, and they're you know two career criminals, and he tells this you know kind of haunting story of them breaking into a house of them beating up and and tying up a uh, a man and assaulting and raping his wife and daughters ages 17 and 11 so it's really it's a hard story to read and they they go uh, you know and and withdraw money from the wife's account at at ransom and they burn down the house afterwards killing the wife and and kids and he escaped and obviously has to live with the aftermath and you know he he opens up you know with this obviously just really horrific story and then he asks a rhetorical question after telling us this he says this on page four um he says if i had truly been in uh, the criminal's shoes. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name again. On July 23rd, 2007, that is, if I had his genes and life experience and identical brain or soul in an identical state, I would have acted exactly as he did. There is simply no intellectually respectable position from which to deny this. The role of luck, therefore, appears decisive. So the first question that obviously like is is relevant is. Do we accept that statement that if he had been, it's almost a tautology, but I don't think it is. The question is like, it sounds tautological if you frame it as if he were identical to either criminal, would he have acted in that way? And so, I mean, obviously I fully accept that. There's no basis to to say like, you know, if you were not replaced atom by atom or, you know, cell by cell or gene by gene, whatever you want to do, then you would not be the exact same person at that point and do the same thing. Right. Yeah. I think he was just trying to banish the kind of like freaky Friday perception of like the question that people might have, (laughs) like, you know, like your brain, like kind of just like, Ooh, and then suddenly you're like, you know, in their body, but a ghost in the machine. Yeah. 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 So the interesting thing is that, 
I mean, you know, he 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 introduces here, and he doesn't. He, it's not, you know, explicitly brought up, but we'll talk about it in a in a bit. There's this problem that he kind of introduces of could have done otherwise, and he also introduces, you know, the composition problem, which is, you know, basically put: if none of who you are can be owned, do you have any sense of free will? And both of these are brought up well by the example. So he says on the next page, uh, this is where he kind of, you know, pulls off the curtain on his thesis in the book. He says, free will is an illusion. Our wills are simply not of our own making. Thoughts and intentions emerge from background causes of which we are unaware and over which we exert no conscious control. We do not have the freedom we think we have. So this is, this is where it gets a little bit descriptive instead of normative. But like, I'm just curious, like before, uh, maybe before reading this and also after, if it changed, what sort of freedom do you guys think you have? <laughs> Cause he says, you know, I mean, he, he is writing this like to the lay person. So he says, you know, we do not have the freedom we think we have. So I'm just curious, like, like either of you guys, what freedom do you think you have? Um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, I'm. I, I, here's where I'm kind of at. I think this will be more or less exposed, whether it's true or not. <laughs> readings, but I think that I can't control where intentions come from. Attention, intentions just emerge. But I think, you know, given who I am, which I also can't control, who I am will naturally discern between different intentions. And I think that I have control over that in that sense, not who I am um, mm. because who I am is determined, but who I am at that stage, then I have, I can discern between different intentions that arise. That's kind of where I'm at. Interesting. And that was, that was the case before and after the reading, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. Giffen, what about you? Um, <laughs> it's I, a weird question to be asked, isn't it? Like, yeah. what kind of freedom do you think you have? <laughs> yeah, so I don't even, this might be kind of outside the scope of your question a little bit, because it kind of gets into like the whole thesis. But it's like, I feel like on a day-to-day -day basis, like that I have like, you know, as Adam, Adam said, you know, things arise in my head, like situations arise in like the environment. And like, I feel like the kind of capacity like I have a thought to like, oh, maybe I'll do this. And I, I take a step to the left. And I'm like, oh, wait, no, this is probably the better move. And I make a step to the right. Um, so I, I feel that, um, you know, daily. Um, but in terms of like how free am I? Not at all. Or like what type of freedom do you think you have? So it's so, so you like an experiential freedom almost. Like you, you almost like live I, as if I, you were free? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Okay, but I mean, so so then I guess I mean, maybe that's not like the the proper. Maybe there's like more to like that classification that I'm missing. But I feel like a sense of freedom in like the presentation. But I don't. But I mean, ultimately, even like the um, like what comes into my mind, no control. I mean, I don't even have really control. Ultimately, it's like upon in, in inspection on what I end up like you know quote unquote choosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think off the bat, the three of us all are already in a small subset of people who will admit that we sort of have no, no freedom from a 30,000 foot view, you know, like if you're just kind of if you're looking at yourself kind of from an external perspective or objectively, 
I, I don't know about you guys, but it's my experience that sort of the pre-philosophical person or the, or the lay person does actually want to somehow claim some sort of control over something, right? I mean, people will, will often say like, like, yeah, you know, I have the freedom to, to do otherwise, for instance, or to do what I intend to do. Or, you know, I'm, I'm free. It's like, you know, you'll, you'll find a lot of this in kind of common sense morality, you know, talks with people is that, you know, it's like, you know, I'm responsible for my actions. That's like a super common thing that like, I'm sure we've all heard our parents or grandparents say, you know, you're responsible for your actions or I'm responsible for my actions. Mm -hmm. And, and I guess on, on page six, like Harris, um, he does get into the popular conception, which I'm calling the pre-philosophical or lay notion of free will, which, which in my experience, I don't know what the actual, you know, kind of like sampling is on this, but, but most people do seem to have some sort of libertarian free will, which is that you sort of have, there's kind of two assumptions and I don't understand fully because I don't hold this view. I don't understand if both of these are necessary and sufficient or if either one of these would kind of hold on its own, right? So Harris says, there's two assumptions. One, that each of us could have behaved differently than we did in the past. And two, that we are the conscious source of most of our thoughts and actions in the present. As we are about to see, however, both of these assumptions are false. I don't know, what, do, do you guys agree with me that I, I do think actually just the the over 50% of people with no philosophical training would believe those two statements to be true about themselves. Yeah. I go even way higher than 50%, honestly. Sure. I was saying just like, I don't know what it is, but it's a majority. Yeah, no, I mean, just, I, if, if you had to like put me at a number, I'd go as high as like 90%. Like I really mm. think that most people would be like, absolutely. And yeah. it's kind of, it is like very heavily ingrained in like our culture, like mm -hmm. in, in broadly in the West and in, to some extent, like penetrating most of the world. Well, it also is, I mean, H Harris actually almost nicely really doesn't, doesn't really talk too much about religion in this book. I mean, he mentions it offhand, I think in a couple of places, but like, yeah. I mean, religion plays a huge role in people believing that. I mean, the notion of like, you know, a soul, for instance, or that, you know, God gives us the ability to act with free will. I mean, it makes yes, no God sense. God gave us free will alone <laughs> is a statement which like, you know, 60% of Americans would believe. So, I mean, I also, from that. <laughs> I mean, I also think, though, honestly, that when you ask people this, divorced, you, you kind of don't even hint that religion is at 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 play here mm -hmm. even then i think the majority of people sort of irrespective of their religious views would sign off to these two statements agreed i mean it also forms kind of a basis of our like political and legal philosophy that's been developed like since the greeks so i mean <laughs> yes, whether you yeah. divorce like culture from religion entirely you still get the same kind of majority or super majority who would agree i think mm -hmm. now this is i'm i because i i Giffen, your your sort of experience of having acting as if you have free will is is interesting, and I want to explore it. And and Harris follows up the, my initial statement with with another one. 
uh, on page six, he says, but the deeper truth is that free will doesn't even correspond to any subjective fact about us. And introspection soon provides a host, uh, pr proves as hostile to the view as laws of physics are. Seeming acts of volition merely arise spontaneously, whether caused, uncaused, or probabilistically inclined, it makes no difference and cannot be traced to a point of origin in our conscious minds. A moment or two of serious self-scrutiny, and you might observe that you no more decide the next thought you think than the next thought I write. And so I, I just had the question, um, like, what do we experience? Do we feel like we have some sort of freedom now? And Giffen, you already explicitly answered that. But Adam, since since you didn't uh, default to answering that question, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would say that I, I think, I don't know. I still preserve a little bit of like the free will aspect to it. I don't know, because like for me at least, like it feels like almost like we don't control our thoughts. Like there's no question about that. Like they just arise. Mm. But at that point, they seem to sort of like bounce off kind of conscious experience at that point, and you have kind of a certain reaction, positive or negative, to them, and you don't control that reaction to it. But I mean, that is who we are. Like we are our conscious like experience. Mm. So I think like. You know, it's it's almost like, I don't know, a little bit like reductive at that point to say like, oh, OK, well, you can't control who you are. It's like that's true. But at the same time, who I am is kind of reflecting on thoughts that appear in my mind at that point. Mm. And I can then act upon those because it's like, OK, say like I have a. I don't know, like an immoral thought pops in my head, one that I would recognize as immoral based on sort of the like moral constructs that I've put in place. Right. And I have like a negative reaction to it once I like, you know, it appears consciously in my head mm. at that point, like it's now bouncing off my conscious experience of that thought. So therefore I won't act upon it, even though I don't control my reaction to it. In a sense, mm. do you get what I'm saying there? I get what you're saying. Yeah, for me, like, no, like that still preserves some aspect of free will for me. I don't know. I get what you're saying, and I, I realize I don't, I don't want to do the unfair thing of uh, of only playing with your guys's cards on the table. So I'll, I'll give my answer to this as well. I think, I think, because it looks like we have an, actually a nice spectrum here. So I, I would put myself at the far end of the other side of the spectrum. I guess opposite Giffen, and it seems it like is. Adam, you're. <laughs> so so I'm I'm I sign off on basically everything that Adam said, but with a few distinctions, and I think the distinctions are important. So I, like any person on Earth, live kind of experiencing what Harris calls you know the illusion of free will. Some you know most of the time obviously something like 90 something percent of the time right but whenever i whenever i actually just happen to introspect at all or notice anything i am immediately confronted with the experiential reality so like i i get all the conceptual arguments and everything too but but just the experiential evidence of an utter and total lack of anything resembling free will it's not even in just the moments that I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to do it now. And it's just like, I, I don't 
I ha it is inexplicable to me how I choose any word to even say to you guys right now. Like I'm, I'm choosing the words. Like, why did I just say I'm twice there? Do you know what I mean? Like, I have absolutely no position to understand why. And I have no position to understand why I'm saying the sentence that I'm saying now as opposed to any other string of words I could be stringing together. And when I make a grammatical error, as I probably just did, I, that just comes over me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't experience choosing those words. Like, I almost experience... Uh, saying or finding out what I'm about to say at the same time you guys are. But if I'm not paying attention, which you obviously can't be for 99% of life, you're just doing things, right? Like then, then I do slip back into the illusion of like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this of my own free will or whatever. It seems like I'm doing that. But I guess the difference between me and Giffen and maybe me and Adam, I'm not sure, is that... Uh, any moment that I have that is closer to the introspective side of life is synonymous with just the obliteration of any idea of free will. Um, and, and, it, and I think we can get into this more as we go through the book, but does that make sense at least? Have I explained, explained myself semi-coherently? I'm not 100% sure how that sits us on the opposite end of the spectrum, but I think I understood like at least your argument. Okay. Am I misunderstanding what you said then? So it's not even an argument. Yeah, um, it was closer to you actually. I thought I was the one farther. Yeah. I thought, yeah. Wait, did you did you cut out for me, Giffen, or something? I thought you said that you walk around with the experience of of pretty much having free will. But you do too. A though, feeling right? like I do. Time, yeah. Yeah. So the reason so the reason why I guess I was saying maybe I I didn't explain myself super well then. It's sort of like. I think we're all kind of susceptible to the illusion, right? Because, I mean, you just, it's almost synonymous with doing things that you are like the source of action to them. Like, you, I don't know, you couldn't, maybe it's possible. Maybe there's like a state of mind that I've never experienced where you can actually just observe the, the contents of your mind completely while also doing things. But that's tough for me to do at least, right? But the thing that I'm saying is, is that it very often almost imperceptively is the case that I many, many times a day, I'm confronted with just the experience of not having free will. That seemed to be very different than Giffen, right? Who, who didn't, Giffen, you didn't seem to claim that you had that latter part of my experience. I mean, in terms of the experience aspect of it, I guess I would say like, I don't feel like daily I kind of confront the fact of free will. Partly because okay. I haven't like read much into it, but I mean, well, sure, sure. went on those instances when I do. I mean, I really don't really think the idea of free will like exists at all. Well, yeah, but that's that's not exactly what I think we're trying to get at, which okay. is like because there's two there's two sides to this, right? There's sure. conceptual arguments about could you have done otherwise, or can you can you locate any aspect of who you are as a person that you're responsible for, right? Th okay. Those are almost. You can call them objective arguments, but they're sort of like they're, they're third person or sort of external arguments, right? Okay. Conceptual. Yeah. Then, then there's the experiential side of just like, you know, what am I actually kind of, do I feel like I have free will or do I actually feel um, like I have no such authorship of, of my own actions? Not, not like the sources of the actions or anything, right? Do you get the distinction there? 
Yeah, because, I, th- I mean, I think to some extent. I, I'm not actually. I'm not sure. Like, can you possibly phrase it as a question to me? Let's do. Okay, let's try an experiment. Like, a, just sure. a little um, experiment. That and and Harris doesn't do this in the book. Or at least I don't think he does. But I, I've seen him do it in some interviews. But basically, so I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to, if it helps, like honestly, close your eyes while we do this. But, but you know, pay very close attention to what it's like to be you while we're doing this. So just, just pay attention to what your experience is. So tell me both of you, let's go Giffen first and then Adam, and then I'll go. Tell me the name of a city. Giffen. Cleveland. Adam. Let's just go Pittsburgh. I'm going to say Minneapolis. Now. Okay. Let's do it one more time. So let's all do a different city. Again, just try to pay really close attention to your own mind right now. So, all right. So Giffen, tell me another city. Rio de Janeiro. Adam? Uh, Let's go Cairo. (laughs) Athens. Now, okay. What is... uh, Just... uh, I'm curious, what was your, can you recount for me just, just the choosing of a city? Because the first time or the second time? Both times. Um, right. I guess we'll go in order then. Sure. Um, like, what, what was it like to choose those cities? Um, well, in terms of like thoughts to the extent that I could follow the train, I first noticed when I closed my eyes and kind of was like sitting in like the darkness, I noticed that I was congested because every time I breathed, <laughs> it was a little bit not quite as clear as I would have hoped. Um, and then from there, whenever you actually ask the question specifically, um, I kind of like pulled up a, like a mental image of like the, I guess the area we're in, like, you know, a, a mental map of like the Pittsburgh kind of area. And then, um, although not centered on Pittsburgh necessarily. And I, I guess like Cleveland kind of just came to me as being kind of in that range that I had <laughs> that came to me, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, so do you guys agree, disagree or somewhere in between with this statement? The experience of choosing for me was a, a pure example of my lack of free will because what did I say the first time I said, what was my first? Minneapolis. Minneapolis. And then I said Athens. And yeah. it's like, why on earth did I say either of those cities? I have no idea. Like at first I thought, at first I thought Paris, the first time I was choosing. I thought, no, no, that's not a good example. Um, and then I, I wanted to make it in the U.S. for some reason. And like, what, why did I want to do that? Like I am in no position to know. And well, frankly, the, I mean, yeah. I don't. I hope this isn't interrupting like the culmination of your thought, but I mean, I immediately upon like you posing the question, I am thinking you might've pulled back to the U S because I started with a city that was in the U S. Um, well, I chose, I, I chose mine before we, like I had mine before we started answering. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, but, but think about it. I if see. that were true, I, I didn't know. Yeah. But if that were true, like wh- why would I be affected by your choice in that way? Like, why wouldn't your choice? Like it's, it's, it's in, it's impenetrable to me. Like, if you did say a city in the U.S., why wouldn't I have wanted to say, No, okay, well, then I'll choose one outside the U.S. Yeah. You know, it's like... Well, that's I actually... Have... I mean, that's fair. Like, I understand that it's, like, hard to know, like, your... It's not even hard to know. I'm saying it is... 
impossible to ever know. I guess I, I know what. Why you do anything. <laughs> well, I mean, what I'm imagining yeah. here, like in kind of this conversation is, I don't know if Adam, this comes to your mind as well, because it seems like Jordan's a little bit um, outside of our perceptions right now. But um, it seems to me that like the first thing that's coming to mind is like, I'm imagining an experiment they do where like you do this, you know, you do this drill and like, you know, you see what happens whenever like the first person who speaks says like, you know, a city within the U.S. versus outside the U.S. And it, maybe that informs the probability of the other person choosing inside or outside the U.S. But I also don't know if you chose before I said what I said or not. I don't know the exact exact timeline from when Adam like decided I, on the, the city. You wanted the to second say. one, I actually didn't choose until after I, I had just so after I, I had said Rio de Janeiro until both of you. Actually, I was I didn't I didn't choose Athens until after both of you had spoken. Yeah. And actually, I mean, yes. So so like what if yours being an international city affected mine being an interna international city? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's what I think, like, may have been the case. But again, do do you so so it could be and it could not be. Yeah. And and I have my experience of choosing that city is to have is to be confronted with the fact that I am choosing Athens. Like it's not it's not it's not any there's no sense of w in which I am actively doing anything there. Like I find myself choosing Athens at the same time you guys do. Do you know what I mean? Even if you even if you have something in your head before you say it, like I, I, I chose Athens, then it got, you know, it's my turn. We're, you're waiting on me. Okay, Athens, you know. But it's, but it's like the, the, when Athens kind of pops into my mind, it, it just pops into my mind. Like I, I don't go kind of, I don't even know what it would be to, to say that I chose Athens kind of freely or actively there. Like why... Well, I think yeah. I think I think the thing is like I don't know like this example is just sort of like I don't know amoral and it just doesn't have it definitely like, is it definitely is yeah it like doesn't have like any conscious overriding in a sense like the thing is like like you know I don't have like any real reason to mm -hmm. like change the city except for the fact of just like preference per se sure yeah so like I don't know I don't like this example as much just because. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The thing is, like, it, in more consequential decisions, I feel like there's more of a conscious overriding of who I am, even though I don't choose who I am. Mm -hmm. and, like, and with this one, like, I if, say, Pittsburgh, like, popped into my head, like, consciously I recognize that Pittsburgh has popped into my head, but I don't really have, like, any reasons for changing that, say. Mm -hmm. You know, because, like, I mean, unless I'm the kind of person who wants to try to get tricky, you know what I mean? Like, and wants to try to, you know, throw you off your game here. But, and I, you know, don't have any choice over that personality trait. But at the same time, there wasn't really a, a, a kind of a strict filter this went through, say. Okay. So if, okay, I, I want to see if I'm understanding you correctly. Are you making an experiential distinction or a conceptual distinction or both between picking something with kind of amoral stakes, there's nothing, you know, there's no, there's no consequences here, versus a larger, very focused life decision or choice to be immoral or not? Uh, I, I think it's both. I, I think I think it's conceptual. Okay. I think, I think it is a conceptual difference I'm making. There. Okay, okay. I, I think, 
I don't know. I I think interesting. This, I think this this example is a little too narrow to actually like. Sure. It's it's so. it's an incredibly simplistic one, and I think what this demonstrates is that like we don't have any, um, we have no freedom over our thoughts that pop into our head. But I still think there's like a distinction to be made over like our conscious experience with the thoughts that simply arise in our head, in our heads. Flush that out more. Yeah. So, like the fact that like okay, so we don't have any control over the thoughts that arise in our heads, mm-hmm. but then those are kind of bounced off our conscious experience in which if, you know, those thoughts align with who we are, even though we don't choose who we are, then we can act upon those or choose to reject. Sure. You know, I think I I don't mean to be pedantic here, but like, I I think I'm getting what you're saying, but I don't know. Can you choose different language to explain what you mean by thoughts kind of, bounce off your recognize them. we recognize them so okay. like okay. Conscious recognition of thoughts as they arise mm-hmm. so and you know if they're more conscious like consequential like some some you know appearing like in the moral sphere mm-hmm. then you know who i am like it's not like i'm simply like you know uh at whim to my thoughts like it, like thoughts don't necessarily like dictate action. I think they have to go through a filter of conscious thought. So, I mean, of of conscious experience. I mean, hmm. Retrospectively, so like we we just did an active example, but I'm curious. Like, it's hard to choose. I mean, I guess to each his own example here. But but when I when I kind of recall any vivid. And, and I guess maybe it helps if it's a recent one because it might be more clear than, than, you know, early ones. But when I recall a, a decision of, like, you know, significant importance, from my, you know, just kind of we're making experiential claims here, I don't, I'm failing to find kind of the distinction that you're drawing here, Adam, experientially. Now there's you, there's you've ever had thoughts that have arisen that you didn't act upon because it didn't align with who you are. No, of you, course I did. That's impossible. And you recognize nope. that? Like, <laughs> yeah. So no, <laughs> you're not completely like. Well, no, I I have had that. But, but, well, I have had that experience. Of course, like it'd be impossible basically to not have that. Sure. But what I'm saying is is that I I experientially am am collapsing the distinction between because i think choosing to act on a thought has the very lack of freedom or free will that that the thought arising has like i I don't choose like just experientially like I, i don't i don't choose to have the thoughts that i have but i also don't i don't have i mean i i choose in the sense that like according to the laws of physics you know, it is conceivable for me to pick up a pen or a pencil here, you know, like both of those are kind of live possibilities, but, and I guess that's a bad example because it, it's not, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rely too heavily on the laws of physics because based on our last conversation, of well, so I mean, like, I, I oh, yes, and that's also like kind of heavily involved in my argument here. I mean, I am not denying that intentions seem to be outside our sphere of conscious influence. 
Mm-hmm. But I think like the advent of intentions and the subsequent acting of these intentions seem to like, I don't know, like belie the deterministic model in some sense. Like I definitely believe that. So, Adam, not determinist. That accurate? I I am I am not a hard determinist. No. Hard determinist. As in, I buy in completely. Yeah. Yeah. We should we should explain for people these these terms. So determinist means that any aspect of any composition of who you are can be traced back, not that we have to necessarily know them, but that there is a deterministic cause for it. So, for instance, you know, Harris lays these out, but it could be, you know, your genetics, your upbringing, your place of birth, your formative experiences, the composition of your body, your cells, your neurons, like everything. So interesting. So can you you give me, like, what would you say is outside of the realm of determinism that is not, and maybe we should get to this, but if it's randomness, that's interesting. And if it's not randomness, that's also interesting to me. I think you and I both agreed that consciousness itself and just experience can't be mapped on to physics per se, like one for one. Um, I don't know what I think about the mapping. Um, It's conceivable to me that it could be mapped which is to say correlated one to one i would disagree with my own statement there yeah okay okay i don't i don't know that i would be against a materialist reductionist view of consciousness yeah i agree i agree with that i i I misspoke there it definitely can be mapped so okay what was your initial question again just so i can fully understand it yeah my my initial question is because because there's the, the reason why i'm asking is this there's kind of a um it's a relevant question when you get into the literature because there's kind of two senses of deterministic almost or determinism. Some people include randomness and determinism. I kind of like that way of interpreting it. And some people put randomness outside of determinism. I'm not arguing for randomness. Okay. That's what I was, I just didn't know where your kind of argument hinged on because, because, you know, uh, where we should just, let's lay this out real quick. Cause it, it's not, relevant to your argument but i think it's relevant to go over real quick i mean randomness doesn't help with free will because you know i i can't remember if you guys find the page let me know but but somewhere he goes over there's this work of um there's there's some synaptic firing that doesn't happen in a predictive or directly causal nature and so you know a lot of people think that well free will can be found in the random nature of it right it has to do with i guess the decaying of electron or you know something it has to do with the random spin of an electron I, I don't remember what exactly determines it but it's random as you can get from my perspective randomness is a bad area to look for free will because that's merely an indeterminate determinate cause right like it, it's do you get what i'm saying adam um yeah, and do you agree with I, it I, yeah there's no way i'm trying to introduce randomness as you know, some sort of excuse for preserving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all my argument. Yeah. Now, it's interesting that because Harris explicitly says on page 11 that he says it's important to recognize that the case I'm building against free will does not depend upon any philosophical materialism. And I think that's good to clarify because that I, I do believe that really is a red herring in this debate, because I think you can. You can argue, now I'm not saying any, any side is right, but you can argue almost any position on free will from any consideration of, of what consciousness is, right? Like, I, I just don't think that that has any, um, any bearing on it. 
And one thing that I've actually changed my mind about very drastically on this topic is whether or not it's funny i actually got a paper published in um in pitts kind of like undergraduate journal about this and i would now disown what i wrote in that in that paper um because with respect I, to what uh yeah so with respect to what harris talks about on page eight and nine so there's this really famous study by benjamin LeBay. he talks about this fmri study where the brain's motor cortex can be detected, you know, some 300 milliseconds before the person feels that he has decided to move. And so with a high degree of precision, you know, with EEG machines and fMRI correlation, we are increasingly able to sort of um, predict or see the signs of someone's intention or action before it's actually done. The reason, and, and Harris actually later has admitted that this isn't actually where the crux of his argument lies and that talking about it is kind of it's it's very persuasive to people but i'm i'm actually against considerations of this on this topic because it it actually is not related to what i'm concerned about at least because i do think it like <laughs> i'm just remembering you know when i wrote that paper it, it was almost like i i, I kind of fell prey to the assumption of just like, wow, isn't it amazing that like 700 milliseconds before you became aware of something, we could see what you were about to do? It's like, well, sure, but there's going to be correlations for anything there. It, it, it wouldn't matter to me if it were 700 milliseconds, one millisecond. It wouldn't even matter to me if it was zero milliseconds because, I mean, free will couldn't really depend on that for me. I mean, what, what do you guys think about that? Like, And, and I just, I kind of wanted to bring that up to then to move forward with not actually hinging any arguments on that. Yeah, I think it's moot. Yeah. Giffen, what do you think? I think it's moot, but I will say, I think the reason it's like included is probably because a lot of people hold like assumptions that that would kind of break for them, even yes. if they weren't well-founded assumptions. So like there's a practical yes. reason to include it in the book. That's basically it. And it is rhetorically persuasive. Um, Especially yeah. to people with kind of lay pre-philosophical exactly. notions. Yes. But again, it, I'm not even sure that a negative time differential there would actually give me any robust reason to believe in free will. Um, I don't know what negative means in this case even. Well, so in, instead of... You do of something the, and then you predict that it was done? No, no. <laughs> instead I mean, I'm, of, I'm being genuine. I'm not sure what negative means. So the EEG could show that the, the brain's motor cortex can be detected, you know, it, deciding the action 300 milliseconds before you report that you're aware of deciding to do it. I'm saying even if that time differential were reversed, that would be surprising, but it wouldn't be evidence for free will. Because whatever whatever you think is giving you that kind of whether it's a ghost in the machine or whether it's a soul or, you know, whatever you think it is that's giving you that, that intention before we can even pick it up. I mean, that doesn't give you free will either because I think as Harris says, you know, um, on page 12, uh, even if the human mind were made of soul stuff, nothing about my argument would change. The unconscious operations of a soul would grant you no more freedom than the unconscious physiology of your brain does. I want to push back on this a little bit. Okay, so... From the perspective of we don't have souls, but if we did, we might have free will? Yeah. Okay. So, like, let me think of, like, a thought experiment here. Okay. 
Okay, so what if what if we, you know, created beings with you know individual personalities and moral compasses, and then let them just kind of operate within a world, and they were completely free to operate as they are. So they didn't choose who they are, but they can operate as they are. Like, is that what, is that explain to that me? Seems, yeah, that seems yeah. honestly equivalent to saying they will operate as they are. Explain to, to me how you're viewing that as different than our circumstance. Also, I'm not. What this is, what like this is kind of like. <laughs> this, this is this is how I'm viewing things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So like, I I don't know. Like I feel like given the freedom to operate like as like who you are in a sense mm. is free in itself. So. So I think you don't I choose think... who you are, but you're free to operate as you are. In one sense. I can see what you mean, but in another sense, I, I think I strongly disagree. Um, because I don't understand what it would mean to be free to operate as you are if every individual instance is just kind of, is, is like I said, the experience of kind of finding out that you're going to do something as you do it. Even when I am, this goes back to what we were talking about before, but sort of if I, if I think about something that's really important to me that I deliberated over for a long time, sure. I, can't, I can't find any instance or example uh, within that, because obviously you know, making a difficult decision is a long process. You, know, you think through the pros, you think through the cons, you think of who else it will affect. Um, you roll the dice. <laughs> <laughs> you think of, yeah, you roll the dice, you factor <laughs> in your horoscope, you know, <laughs> um, right. But it's, 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 you know, composed of all of these micro kind of instances. But when I look at any of the micro instances, I'm, I'm kind of confronted with the same thing that I'm confronted with, with the city example. Like the fact that I care if choosing to, save for grad school at a certain rate will like I do the calculations and I find that if I go at this rate, it should give me enough to, to, you know, with a stipend sustain myself for this many years, you know, it's like all of that. I don't know why I do that calculation, right? If in fact I do it. And if I make a mistake in those calculations, I don't know why I made a mistake. And like, I don't really, I think, I think you're kind of like arguing now. That's kind of like a red herring at this point. Like doing calculations sure. versus not. I mean, we're talking about like making decisions, not whether your brain can function properly. You know but what I'm I mean? I'm saying, but any part of that decision, when I look at it, I don't see the freedom there. Even down to sort of like why I even value, like why, like you can ask that question of almost any part of that decision. Like, why do I want to go to grad school? It's like, it's I can want. tell. Well, of course, but do I have any free, like, freedom over that? I wind up a toy it flips like it's who it is almost well it's it's oh. I, and, and I I see what okay. you're saying and I'm not what I'm saying is there are still and this is I think the 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 series will kind of move in this direction I'm not making a lack of a distinction at all I'm not saying that like all of my decisions fall under the exact same um, conceptual bin like there are conscious and unconscious things that I do do you know what I mean and there are also distinctions to be made where I make thoughtless decisions and decisions that I think about for a really long time and like give heavy you know thought to 
but I don't experience free will in any of that. But, I mean, you're stating that, you know, like, I, I mean, you kind of like, you made the argument and then just kind of like threw in at the end that you don't experience any free will, but I'm saying that like, mm-hmm. it just depends how you're viewing free will in this sense. Like you guys, I think, I think you guys are kind of like negating the fact that, um, like acting as you are mm-hmm. in a is free in itself i mean like i honestly can't conceptualize any other conception of free will that i had before that then you know like would i act you know differently than who i am i mean i don't think anybody has that idea that you're gonna act like no that that would be precisely the case of like i don't know what came over me you know yeah so it's like most people are under the impression that okay it's like you're going to act based on the kind of person you are Mm-hmm. Right. So, and the thing is like, I, you know, if you spend, you know, months at a time thinking about this, like kind of mauling over important decisions, eventually like, you know, your actions will reflect who you are. And in, in a sense to me that like, there's some real free will associated with that. I don't see free will associated with that, honestly. Hmm. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Wouldn't it be the case that you're just then conforming to what you happen to be, which then there's no there's no basis of free will any anywhere there either? It's like you kind of like said, you, you know, like you're you're acting upon it, right? Like you you've done things corresponding with who you are. Yeah, of course, but the, that isn't that sort of the very point. I mean, none of us can can own any part of why we are who we are. You know. Sure. sure. So, but then acting, I, I guess I don't understand what it means then to kind of, I, I'm not understanding where the free will is emerging for you, or maybe f- like some type of freedom, but it's not free will. Well, I would say like, the, there, there certainly is like, definitely a freedom to being able to act out who you truly are, even if who you truly are isn't mm-hmm. in your even though you don't choose who you truly are. Adam, you're like phrasing things in a way that I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent certain of like the argument. And I know this is kind of difficult to like uh, form the most appropriate language for, but you, you're like, you know, at least I am who I am, but I don't like who you are, who you are. Like you have the freedom as who you are, but I honestly don't see that as much of a distinction as saying like, you know, the like the I mentioned this before as like a kind of toss away, but like if I wind up a toy and like it ends up flipping three times before like you know the the wind crank kind of like stops moving, it's like oh, you know like it is who it is. Like I don't where does like the choice come in at all? Like I kind of feel like almost a wind up toy. I mean, you know? can can I can I expand like yours a little bit, like what you just put out there? Please, I mean, yeah. So you had infinite knowledge and you were able to like design a being that had like its own moral framework and then send it on its way out in the world at that point. Sure. And then that being that encounters situations where thoughts would arise in its head and then it would consciously recognize those thoughts and then, you know, act upon based on who it is. Like you don't think that like that being in any sense has like, you know, just like a certain like freedom to act upon who it is. Honestly, if I had infinite knowledge, I would say that would completely eradicate it 
all from my perspective because I, I think yeah. a lot of like our well not not infinite knowledge that my entire argument did not hinge on infinite <laughs> well you started it with infinite knowledge <laughs> Adam was trying to sneak in that he is Yahweh let us say for a moment children I'm friends please please okay you had a lot of knowledge okay and you designed to be like I do not want the argument did not hinge on infinite okay. knowledge no, that's good to know, Adam. I'm glad you clarified that because the first thing you said, I was like, okay, well, I can definitely roll with that. I, <laughs> I was, I was like, if I had knowledge, it's not the crux of the argument. I just have a super, super high level in the far future, right? Of like knowledge of, you know, human brain states. Let's just kind of rest it at that. And I am a, like, we're at a point where we're able to actually like kind of create, you know, to the best of our like knowledge or understanding, like conscious, you know, be behave like creatures that behave as if they have consciousness, you know? Um, whether that's like the to the extent of an elephant or like a, that of a human being, whatever, right? Um, and you like set up like in some sort of either an experiment or a um, simulation, okay? Like that's the, our degree of knowledge is so high that we can simulate a lot about like our world, orders and orders of magnitude beyond what we can do now. And you kind of set up like a kind of construction, right? It's like inside the simulation you have a, you know, like the the creature's fully functioning brain or whatever, right? And you kind of set up every, like, molecule by molecule, quark by quark. You set up you know, with all the rules in place that we were aware of, right? You set it up to, like, this one instance. Like, maybe it's, like, reaching out its hand towards something, right? Like, the creature in the simulation, right? You hit play and see what happens. You go back and you try it again. The same exact situation. Hit play, see what happens. Go back again. Hit play, see what happens. Um... I'm kind of, and this is a kind of like, I guess, getting at determinism. <laughs> at a certain point, it does the exact same thing every single time. And if it does the exact same thing every single time, even if it is behaving to the best of our knowledge the way it, like, like, like we would, right? I don't see how there's like choice in that. Like, I think there's a certain yeah. uncertainty that comes with us not knowing anything close to that amount of knowledge about physics or like biology. And that kind of is like a haziness that, you know, you could project free will onto. Um, but I don't actually see, like, if if I was infinite, I know this wasn't part of your argument, but if I had infinite knowledge, you know, or like infinite power or something, you know, like from this moment, if it kind of was stopped, you know, played, roll it back to the exact same physical state, play again, the exact same thing happens millions and billions of times over every single time and i don't see how the sense of could have done otherwise yeah so could have in the like you saying like the creature could have done like you know gone to the left versus right to me you're basically like making the argument like well based on my knowledge like i didn't have enough knowledge to know whether it was going to go left or the right but the way things were it went to the left you know whatever it happens to be yeah so based on like i don't know like the framework you described there i probably wouldn't disagree with anything but it just for me like i think listening to you kind of I don't know, showed me why we disagree. Just, sure, just, just in the sense that, like, I don't know, I think there's, like, a very non-deterministic way that, you know, thoughts arising in our heads interacts with conscious experience. And I'm just, like, really not sure that, like, that's deterministic in any, like, uh, in, in any fatalistic sense, in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm using uh, fatalism wrong here, but I'm just saying, like, it's not determined necessarily how thoughts arising in our head interacts with conscious experience. I have a question. I, I think it's determined, but Jordan, I want to hear what you have to say. I, I Well, this, this is going to flesh out whether it is determined for Adam or not. So, Adam, if, if 
we're using just like some person as an example and they have like a thought arises they didn't they didn't choose to have that thought but they you know they kind of mull it over it bounces around their head it reflects off consciousness right and then they act upon it in one of two ways or you know what what, what i guess one of infinite ways or something like infinite ways just many ways right if we rewound the universe to right before that thought popped up and then hit play again, are you saying that something could have come out differently? Maybe. Okay. See, I have ab- uh, that. Okay. Then I very adamantly disagree with that. Well, yeah, well, no, I don't. Single... I don't think I do. Oh. But if it were to come out different, that doesn't give us free will because the only thing that I can conceive of is some change that that agent has no control over anyway. Well, I grant you that if you kind of reset the physics of the thing, you know, the world into that scenario and then hit play again, the same thought arises. Yet, uh, you know, it, uh, random spins of electrons could determine that neurons fire, you know, differently we're, each way. We are excluding randomness here. Well, then not- I have no idea what lies outside uh, that bound then. So it's not... Anything that we can cut—it's yeah, it's 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 like that. We're approaching some sort of weird soft dualism here, unless we're not. If we have the same exact physical like parameters of our universe playing over and over again, and you're excluding like random quantum mechanics as playing a role at all, like, do where's the maybe? Just, just, just to clarify, this is not, you know, this is not your point here. But I'm not excluding quantum mechanics, right? Like this is just, I'm saying it's not. But isn't that randomness? Yeah, I thought that was just. I'm saying it. I'm saying it doesn't hinge on the argument like that I'm trying to make here. Oh, you're you're admitting that it exists, but that's not where you're locating the indeterminacy. Yes. Yeah. I don't where, know where the indeterminacy. I that I I'm genuinely for me and curious, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's like if there's like if there's indeterminism, it's because like. Our to the extent of our knowledge of physics, like there is like randomness at the quantum level. But if you're saying like your argument doesn't hinge on like the randomness, we can just say like that means you admit that. Like I don't know where like you can say that like take away randomness, but I, admit I, yeah. that it like you can play it over and over again and something different happens that doesn't Adam, have an I'm, answer in. I'm oh, very confused now because I I was about to explain how I thought we disagreed and it's not how we disagree apparently. Well. I, I guess, to be fair, though, I think you guys have kind of backed me into a corner where I think I've been made to say things that I'm advocating for. Rather, I haven't fully bought into determinism. So it's like I think it's like okay. I, the distinction is really, really important here that I've pointed out that I think there is a really important interaction that, you know, uh, that conscious experience brings into it. And Maybe I said things that maybe don't align, such as things could have happened differently. I don't know. Maybe maybe they couldn't have happened differently if, you know, mm. any randomness is taken out. Then maybe it just naturally follows that things would have happened as they are. But at the same time, like, I, I feel like I've been pushed away from the original argument, my original intuitions here. And... I'm not necessarily advocating for any sort of dualism, but I'm not advocate, but I haven't fully bought into determinism either. I think that's where I'm at. Okay. Right. And you yep. mean so we're we're referring to determinism as all possible causes plus randomness. And you yeah. haven't fully bought into that. Yes. I am failing to understand why. And I'm curious because I don't know if this 
it's obviously impossible to know because now we've had this conversation, but like, it seems odd to me that you would say that on most other subjects, right? But sort of like, because you're wanting to maintain um, some sort of freedom, then if that's the conclusion, it almost bites the bullet of that conclusion. Do you know what I'm saying? I know I would disagree. Like, I mean, I wrote like entire notes, like based on the reading here of like, you know, thoughts that popped into my head. And, you know, I gave some considerable thought before this. So it's not like anything reflexive here. of any yeah. desire I wasn't saying like in this conversation, it was no. the piece of paper that says like blorange. <laughs> what popped into my head? Blorange. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm a little confused, actually, because at first I thought, I, at first, I was going to try to clarify what you were saying by saying you're not arguing for any sort of libertarian free will. You're heart honing it on some sort of compatibilist sense. But now it seems like you almost are. I mean, the indeterminacy part seems to be edging closer to some sort of libertarian free will. Well, I'm definitely trying to push those boundaries a little bit here. I'm definitely trying to push the envelope because I'm like I'm I'm I kind of want to push you on this a little bit. It's like yeah. it seems like you're saying that the freedom that oxygen atom has with a carbon atom you know like that the influence it has on the world it, it's actually not so different than us which is just a collection of different atoms but you're saying that like the freedom that that individual atom there's really no difference between that and the collection of atoms that we are the influence we have on the world well, yeah that, that's generally the argument you're making here um it's it's that's sort of the um the external or third person argument but I'm saying also you can witness your sort of your lack of free will subjectively and we don't know what uh, theory of mind is true yet. Do you know what I mean? No, but, but you, you got to go with my you can't kind of pivot it there a little bit. I'm saying that like that is what that is the, the claim you're making though, right? I'm, yeah, I'm saying determinism plus randomness. I can't understand a yeah. cause outside that. Adam, what do you mean by influence on the world here? No, that, that's a really good, really good question. I think that's kind of like what I'm kind of stuck at. I think that to some extent we can actively like if I have like a conscious thought in my head, I want to pick up my like this bottle right here. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's I don't know why it appears in my head, but I can have some, you know, influence upon other things in the world like that. You know, I, I can actively shape the world. And I, I certainly feel that human beings or conscious creatures definitely have like the ability to actively shape the world around them. And I definitely don't. And I feel like there is like a fundamental difference between that and just simple chemical reactions. But wouldn't you agree that the ability that we have to shape the world around us is indistinguishable from a third person perspective from just some purely mechanistic way of, of affecting the world like if if we just had some you know boston robotics robot and it just like you 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 coded it to pick up the bottle like it's affecting the world in the same way you can and we're not really tempted to ascribe free will to that because in this case we actually know that the command came from outside yeah. the robot right and this works even if you add complexity like this robot starts dictating like policy proposals right it, it had that's a large influence on the like even the human world. Yeah, no, I that would that would that would put to rest any question I've ever had if we could actually have a robot where we knew thoughts emerged 
And then the robot then kind of differentiated between those, weighed the consequences, you know, the pros to this one. And then, you know, I mean, if we could build something like that, we were sure his attributes. My, my argument actually didn't require the thoughts to emerge in the robot's head. It's just like, you know, plug-in inputs and outputs come, like, for policy. It doesn't require thoughts, just to be clear. It's just the idea is that, like, you put in, like, you type into the computer or whatever, and then suddenly it's like, you know, 15% tax rate gradually, in, like, increased to 20%. It's like, what if, like, on these following, like, commodities? Like, something like that. Like, the reason I bring it up is because putting a, you keep, like, mentioning, like, influence on the world, but you're, like, you know, moving the cup up and down. It's like, I don't know if that's, like, a small influence, and you're saying, like, humans can, like, change all of society. So I was bringing that up as, like, maybe the robot, like, you, you know, put it in, and it has an impact on society that way. It wasn't actually hinging on whether it had thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know here. I mean, it's like the the works of Shakespeare. I mean, are these, you know, did these emerge from just simply, you know, just simple chemical yeah. reactions coming together? You know, yeah. I um, the works of Shakespeare just emerge on their own. Adam, you made a distinction that I don't recognize as existing. Between you said, you know, a thought arises, and of course, you know, we don't choose that thought, it merely arises. And then you said, I can't remember your exact terminology, but it sort of bounces off consciousness, it reflects off consciousness, it's shaped by consciousness, right? Something like that? Yeah, it interacts with conscious experience. And then it's sort of, for lack of a better term, output or sort of um, inhabited as an action or as a kind of complete decision, like, yes, I will do this, and then the action follows from it or something, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if who you are, you know, through your conscious experience has this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the thing that I am, and I'm glad that I'm finally understanding us, because the thing that I do not find a distinction between, and I, I'm curious to hear why you find a distinction, is between the thought arising and then this, what you're calling like modification of through consciousness or like kind of reflecting off of it or, or intermingling with it that I don't understand what you mean by that. That's just more thoughts to me. Like, and I'll give just like kind of like an example. So like, let's make it like, let's make it count. Cause you, you wanted to make it moral. Um, yes. let's pretend I'm in a store and I see something that I want, but I do not have the money to purchase it. And, um, I also see that I would likely not get caught if I stole it, right? Sure. So the thought arises, I want this thing, whatever it is, right? A new jacket or something, say. Sure. And then the thought arises, well, you know, that would be kind of immoral to do. Many, many thoughts arise, which is, you know, if I'm actually debating it, I look at the exit, there's no one there, there's a changing room, I can go and put the jacket on underneath what I have on, right? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this, you know, well, no, you know, this, what kind of person would I be? It, it, all of the subsequent deliberations there, I'm failing to find a distinction between that and just more thought. Like, in the case that, it, it's like, because you say, when you, you act kind of you don't you don't determine who you are but but you act as you are and that's where the freedom lies but but acting as i am is comprised of just a totality of thoughts that i didn't choose like and whether i did whether i settle on one action or another is itself just a, it just arises it that intention arises like a thought i mean i'm i don't i'm failing to see a distinction there 
So I think my distinction would be this, like the fact that like one thought, like once it arises in conscious thought, so it's just not, it's not subconscious of that. You're recognizing that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And at that point, any thoughts that arise after that were influenced by that thought. So like in, in yeah. those enter conscious thought. Where's the freedom there? I mean, where's the freedom? I mean, it's those thoughts at that point, you know, reflect who you are. Yes. Yeah, but you of course they do. Free. But but where's the freedom there? Yeah, because uh, I I think you're I think you're kind of biting a bullet. You don't have to here. Um, because because I I think that you can still make the distinction of like any given action can be representative of who you are or not. Like there are like we've all like I, help me think of an example here. But like we've all done stuff that's uncharacteristic of ourselves. You know. Maybe you're a really frugal person and you make kind of a rash, impulsive buy. And that's not really like who you are as a person, right? But you did it in that scenario. And you did it precisely due to your lack of freedom. Like even if, and if it, and if it is the type of like, you know, you're a frugal person, you see something you really want, but you're like, ah, you know, like I'm, I'm saving up for grad school, paying off my loans, whatever it is, and you don't do it. Freedom does not exist in either of those scenarios, or free will does not exist in either of scenari those scenarios, but we can still maintain that distinction. Hmm. I mean, I understand. Well, I, I've understood like, from the very beginning where you guys are coming from, but I don't think you guys have ever fully understood the subtlety of my argument here. Like, in, in kind of like, in just like when discussing like the difference okay. between. I. I, I, I I think this would have to be like a, a part two so I can actually write out like a real thesis here because I feel like unless I'm wrong it has to be something in this where you're maintaining a distinction between a thought arising and then the conscious interaction with that thought and I'm saying but if you think about it or maybe notice it as a better word that's just more thoughts when you they say happen... conscious interaction you're just saying thought again Actually, it's a kind of a good point, Giffen. Yeah. Sure, but like I think that was like the difference there was that with Jordan's initial city example, mm -hmm. like we we mainly focused on like the initial thought, the initial randomness that sort of just emerged. But I'm saying that subsequent thoughts after that are then influenced by that thought because like you have now a conscious recognition of thoughts in your mind. So like any thoughts that come after that are then sort of a reflection of who you are and the ability to think and then act on who you are is in itself freedom. So that seems to, okay. That what you just said is very much a compatibilist idea, not a libertarian idea. But then you're adding in indeterminacy, which I don't know why you're doing, because I don't think you need to, to preserve that statement. And that moves you closer to some sort of libertarian argument. So I'm, I'm confused we'll, because... We'll yeah. throw out the second half then. We'll throw out the second half. But not because... if you don't actually be like, believe it. Do you know what I mean? Like... No, because that, that's, that, that's one vein we went down in yeah. which I had no model to describe how things could have been different. But it never hinged on where I started. So I'm happy to throw out that half. But so you're no longer advocating for any sort of indeterminacy? No. Okay. Then I understand 
your project more, but you're not, I just, you're not throwing it away for argument's sake, right? You're, you're actually disavowing that in, in what you hold to be your position now. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, I'm happy to disavow that because I, I didn't, I mean, I think we, we all kind of arrived at that position and honestly, that's not one I held before entering this argument either. We arrived at that point. No problem. Things couldn't have been different. I'm much clearer now because now I understand I understand the framing to the argument now. Okay. Okay. So what I'd like to finish this episode with is Giffen figuring out because we never fully closed the loop because we got we got caught up in, you know, Adam's position for a long time there. But sure. I if we can, I just I want to figure out where if any of the distinctions are between you and i um yeah sure i'm not i mean hopefully you're going to be willing to do some of the work there because i'm not trying <laughs> no, to know the distinction I, I, so i'll, I'll be happy happy to carry the load for us because i <laughs> i i'm not sure it seems it seems um that that uh conceptually at least we very much are of the same mind so far that's not to say that we might differ on on the subsequent episodes yeah i um, think that's fair but I, I wanted to return to that experiential side of things. So what what did you make of um, what I was saying about sort of it being um, a lack of free will all the way down, even through sort of the most consequential decisions? You can actually just witness yourself. F- you, you witness yourself kind of arriving at the answer when you find out what your answer is. Like there, there's no freedom anywhere experientially. I don't know. Um, there, I think there might be a little bit of a difference because whenever I like think, whenever you posited that, I'll I'll just explain my train of thought, and maybe you can kind of flesh it out from there. I was thinking like, well, I mean, it's true, like kind of instantaneously at the moment, like it did appear, but like I can at least like upon reflection associate it with like you know previous environment or previous thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that has any bearing, but like for example, like. Whenever we, whenever I said Cleveland as my answer for the city that appeared in your head, I know I think we actually talked about Cleveland a few times, like last night. I guess the only thing I'm really claiming is that, yeah. upon reflection, I could see how like previous events or previous like we can even just say like externally, like just the environment, yeah. could have informed my this like the decision that I that was made. I should say, um, whenever mm-hmm. I spoke, um, that's that's basically all I'm kind of bringing forth. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, (laughs) so if I understand you correctly, and this might be where we do differ then. Sure. So you're saying it's sort of able to, you're able to, um, in the past, sort of see your lack of free will, but that you can't actually kind of in real time experience yourself as not having free will. Is that closer to correct? I mean, I don't really know what constitutes experiencing a lack of free will, frankly. Like, I, I think I get, like, only a gist. I'm just not, like, certain enough about what you mean to, like, give, like, a yes. It's kind of like a, I see what you mean. It's like, like, Cleveland popped into my head, and it's like, I didn't feel, like, a sense of, it, like, it popped in, and that's basically, like, it. I don't know if that is, like, what constitutes experiencing a lack of free will or not. Yeah, I mean, if it every, does, then it is. If it doesn't, then it it isn't. Well, it's every, it's just every part of everything you do. I mean, like, so, so let's go back to the consequential one. Cause that seems to matter more. Like sure. you're deciding whether to kind of spend something, um, frivolously spend on something frivolously. Sure. Right. You know, 
and it's and you're kind of all of these if you just kind of just just imagine what it would be like um to do this it's kind of going to be just like a flood of all of these different considerations and all of those will will pop up and you'll deliberate about them but that deliberation will be individual instances of just popping up of of weighing them differently and then you'll come to a conclusion and even that conclusion that the conclusion will just kind of pop up for lack of a better word um and i guess i'm just curious and i can't answer this because i i don't know what you experienced per se but like i i don't know if um if you're agreeing that retrospectively that makes sense but that when you're actually doing something you're for lack of a better word kind of caught up in the doing of it and 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 you're almost embodied in like a feeling that you're you're actually authoring these agentic maneuvers and that it's only in retrospect can you see well of course these were all just instances of a lack of free will (laughs) um i guess that's I, I still am honestly like a little bit uncertain. Like, mm-hmm. I because let's give go like a, with a yes or no question. Maybe like whenever I am like in the moment, it's like Cleveland popped into my head um, without any kind of sense of like I will thus <laughs> like think it's inconceivable. Of, you know, what would you? Yeah, like, yeah. You so, would have I mean, to so, think it before you thought it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's. I yeah. mean, is there like is there at that point after me having said that is there still uncertainty from your perspective about like what i believe or is there like another question you can ask subsequent to that to like clarify two possible beliefs i could have at that juncture yeah um i'm not sure at that point like i i'm just unclear of whether you are are able to um eh, like, I mean, maybe this helps. Like, I'm not consciously yeah. aware of my lack of free will in every single moment of every single day. Yes. Like, I mean, no, no, obviously. Now I don't pick up a piece of toast and I'm like, good Lord, the lack of free will is overwhelming. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know if that actually, I'm, I'm being genuine. No. I'm not sure if that's what you mean. Because you seem to be like, every kind of moment I reflect is instantaneously associated with a lack of free will. Or like a knowledge of lack of free will. No, but the moments in which I'm not aware of it are almost distracted moments for me. But I do live like everyone does 99% of the time in those distracted moments. Okay, okay, okay. I understand. Yes. Okay, okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I, I think unless there's anything pressing um, for the rest of this episode, I think we can end it here where I, I think we've done a good job of sort of laying out the issues at hand. We will be sort of moving into areas of, of compatibilism on deeper issues. All right. Well, I hope this was, uh, was enjoyable and, and interesting for the listenership. So uh, thanks for listening and tune in next time.